Great to see you. How are you doing, my friend? Good to see you. Happy February. Happy February. We're here already. It's going so fast. Reminds me to be present for all of it. So you are going to kick off and introduce today's topic. I am. And introduce it by sharing a brief story about my introduction to marketing. Because my background, you know, is consulting and analytics and data science. And then 10 or so years ago, got pulled into marketing where I never thought I'd be. And I didn't really know my way around, but was intrigued by the data, the complexity, especially in B2B, of understanding audience and behavior. Our CMO in IBM at the time was a brilliant gentleman and storyteller and communicator named John Awada. And he said something that has shaped a lot of my thinking for the last decade about marketing, which was a lot of the job of a marketer before you sell your product or service is to frame the criteria of evaluation. I thought that was a fascinating idea because it blended for me the analytic side of my brain and the creative side. Frame the criteria of evaluation. And the example I recall talking about was water. If I can convince you that the way to evaluate the quality of water is its association with clean spring water. It's natural. It comes right from the source in a pristine garden. That's great. If I'm a Poland spring, for example. Now my product is the answer when you evaluate by those criteria. If I tell you that the best water is going to come from the most scientific process of filtration, the most modern technology, well, maybe a Dasani, a Coke product that comes out of a factory, maybe that makes more sense. But that continuum was really important that jumping to the product before you've established the criteria of evaluation can be a mistake. And it's come back recently for me because think about all the AI conversations happening in the world. Who is going to be your partner for AI? And if you think about that as fast and inexpensive and cheap and downloaded on your phone, there's an answer to that. But that answer is probably not IBM. If you believe in safety and trust and governance, ah, we've got a brand for you. So, so much of that conversation and so much of the marketer's job, I have come back to recently thinking about how do you establish the criteria of evaluation? Okay, you are going to totally, we're going to have so much fun with this one. So, I also have a story here, and I'm going to kick it off with my favorite quote from Thorson. And my favorite quote from Greg Thorson is, winners create the context that makes choosing easy. And so like, if I think about a B2B funnel uh, that is MQL to SQL, has an element of marketing qualified lead to sales qualified lead. Sometimes when I'm on the sales qualified lead and I'm in an enterprise sales conversation, I actually end that sales conversation by saying something to the effect of, if I'm sitting in your shoes, the rubric that I'm using to make my selection on which provider is A, B, and C. And as you can see, we have demonstrated 
A, B, and C. And that's why we think we're such good partners for you. Yes. So, so in that enterprise sales conversation, I'm sort of using that idea of like creating the context for us to be able to showcase our strengths. And of course, that's not going to always land for everyone because to your point, like our product set or our services set doesn't always match the need. On the other side, when I think about marketing qualified lead and I'm much further up funnel, I think about it as an educational opportunity, right? Which is like, you know, here's how you should be thinking about it, right? You are evaluating providers. Let me give you a sense of like some of the key tenants, right? And, and you use the one around AI and the importance of trust and 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 privacy and security, right? Like I would make sure that, you know, top of the funnel, we're educating people and helping them to understand why that's so critical. So I'm totally with you. I like that in part because I also think it's helpful internal to a company. It lets you understand your own values and a part of it's classical segmentation. But in the case that we're talking using the AI example for us, we are a company that's going to be built on trust and governance and privacy. And we're going to lead with that. And there are going to be clients for whom that is not the right answer then. We are not the right answer. And that's okay because you've segmented the market. So I was on with a bank last week and the sales leader for the bank on the IBM side did a brilliant job. Implicitly, I don't know what his theories about this, but because it was on my mind, it really resonated when he said, I don't know if we're the best answer for you. It might be that Microsoft or AWS is going to be the better answer for you. One, we can help you think about what you're trying to accomplish. Two, we can then design these use cases. And then three, I'd encourage you, go talk to everyone. If it turns out that you're hitting your core processes in banking, then I am going to guarantee you, but I don't think I have to tell you this, that trust, responsibly governance is going to be essential. You, you can't move forward without that. Here's the questions I would ask when you're meeting with any of us when it comes to trust. And he laid out four questions for them that were essentially kind of, will you show me your model? Can you, can your model show me where the data came from? By the way, the bank came back to us the next week and said, we do think for a subset of our applications, not all of them, this is essential. We asked that question to some of your competitors and their answer is we won't show you our model. From their perspective, that's not what we do. It's not what we value. It's not who we are. But guess who won that business? And so much of his framework was, I'm not here to sell you a product. I don't know if it's right for you or not. But I'm here to segment the market and give you some questions to go explore these criteria. Yeah. And I think that you know, you, you feel this way. I know the IBM team feels this way. I feel this way. When When we talk about sales, we're talking about I always think of sales is service. When I do sales, I am trying to act more like an advisor and help someone to uncover their own needs. And I'm never trying to like force fit a solution. And I love that example you shared, which is like, I'm not sure 
if we're the right one for you, but like, let's talk about what your needs are and, and what your, your constraints are. And then we will see, like, I, I think that's true consultative selling. That's true sales as service, right? I think that that's the only thing that works in, uh, in an enterprise or, or really any environment, period, end of story. That's the way we as, as, as sales. And I think that the, the reason I'm taking a moment to explain that here is I'm conscious that a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what sales is. They think of it as more like, you know, hey, let me tell you all my great wares versus like, hey, help me to understand some of the things that you're trying to do or some of the challenges you're facing or some of the growth opportunities you're trying to take advantage of. I worked for a partner who used to tell me after he run a deal, he said, a win is just the opportunity to deliver value. Uh, in of itself, not much until you deliver that value. I want to go back then and move up the funnel or back to the beginning of the funnel because you touched upon that. So I'm struck by this conversation, I'm impressed by this seller. What a great framing. And then I go look at our marketing, our website, our media, our messaging and say, huh, this is not starting with establishing criteria of application. This isn't doing as clear a job as segmenting the marketing. Say, well, actually we do think ChatGPT would be perfect for that use case. And IBM would be better for this one. It wasn't helping people frame the problem and ask those questions. It was jumping a little bit more to what you were just describing as the not way to sell, which is, let me tell you about my product. I don't know how to go back now. Maybe I do know, but I have to go back and do the work. Maybe you've had that experience kind of going back to say, I knew this for 20 some odd years, why is that not what's on our webpage? Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 the why it's not on our web page is a fascinating answer. Uh, and, and sometimes I think when I ask myself why, I should instead be saying, okay, the why is like, an intellectually stimulating exercise, but I'm not sure if it's actually advancing to my goal of fixing it. Yeah. Like the why is important, but like the, what are we going to do about it now that we've recognized it? Uh, and it reminds me of this meditation that I've been practicing where it's like, it's like I'm meditating and then I realize my one mind has wandered. And then what I'm trying to do is just begin again, begin again, begin again. And and so like rather than chase the thought or try to unravel that thought, I'm just begin again. And so when I when I and I as you were talking, I just hit the IBM webpage and and I sort of noticed quickly what you were talking about. And you know, I think it's just about begin again. And if we are saying in this conversation that that when we're top of funnel, one of the things that we want to do is help share the right rubric, the right criteria, the right framework for making an evaluation and selection. Let's go and write it. Let's go and do it. And, and, and the great thing about all of our systems today, your system, my system, it's like we can we can make these changes quickly. Uh, and And I think it's also important as a marketer, I would say, 
Like I go back to that Thorson quote, winners create the context that makes choosing easy. Like we have built these products and services because we believe something, right? We believe that that trust is never more important. We believe that security is never more important. So I also think that it's like our job as marketers to create that rubric and, and then tell the stories behind why we believe these things. Two reactions to that. One is future episode note. How do you begin again? It's hard, especially I'm thinking about 112 year old company and the culture and all the way to a web page and why is it that way and how do you give yourself permission to begin again because i think that's a very powerful meditative thought how do you bring that to an enterprise and then more specifically i'm trying to think of a great example i'm not coming up with a really obvious one maybe you have uh, a digital experience or digital experiences that help that kind of framing. I know in our business, people's first reaction would be it's some sort of question and answer application. You go in and it says, well, what are you trying to accomplish? And you answer some questions, you know, kind of calculator type. But what you're describing feels richer to me about projecting your values and putting them into a context that it's okay for the consumer to say this is right for me at the moment or this is not what I need at the moment. There's some courage and conviction that that requires. And I'm trying to think of good, particularly digital examples. If you ever come across anything that you think helps guide audiences. Yeah, I, I, I have to think about that. I, I think what I'm picturing in my head is less of something that is filled out and it's more like a graphic or something that kind of creates like a template for me to sort of cast whatever might be in my mind as a customer, right? Where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm on your page. I'm, you know, how, how should I be breaking down the problem of thinking about AI and applicability in my own business and what I'm trying to achieve. Like what's the right, you know, and that's why I keep using words like rubric framework. Like I think often frameworks become like a really nice shorthand for being able to like take something complex and, and chunk it down to some pieces and parts. Um, so I'm thinking of, you know, something like a graphic that, that has four or five parts to it and is maybe organized in a certain way that that lays that out in a and there's kind of certain key elements. And I think we have it. Like as I as I as I remember different parts of even what we've written today, like I, I think we have it. I just don't know if we're communicating it in a completely integrated way. Yeah. I do think we have it. I think it's there implicitly. Whether the framework, I suppose, is literally present on the page, which may be valuable to people, or whether it's an exercise internally for us to really establish what do we think those criteria of valuation are, where do we fall along that continuum, how do we project our values into that? If you're really clear, maybe you don't at some stage need the visualization or the tool, 
it comes through your language and your values on the page. But in the meantime, I do like when you're at a stage in a market where there's still so much experimentation and there's so much discussion about what does AI mean for my enterprise. Helping people frame the problem seems enormously valuable. And I do think one dimension is clearly the trust, governance, security dimension. But lots of companies I'm speaking to in other enterprises are also thinking about speed and simplicity and ease of getting started. So at a minimum, I can imagine those dimensions and more to come. Yeah, no, that's that's right on. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking of like total cost of ownership, the ability to start in a modular fashion, uh, achieve, you know, some ROI and be able to build from that. Um, yeah, this is definitely worthy of a of a of a get together and brainstorm around. Uh, and I know, yeah, that would be great. That would be really, really cool. You know, I, I also. I remember I remember my my son took an ethics class with this with this amazing teacher and I had a conversation with her about this same topic mm-hmm. and I was thinking to myself like if we could if we could go back to our kids and then think about like what about if we were to help teach people to create these rubrics from the get-go? Like, you know, she's our teachers today are evaluating our children based off of some sort of rubric. And that rubric might exist in their head, right? And it might have elements of like in English, like grammar and sentence structure and analytical thinking and ability to make your point and uh punctuation and I don't know, other things around, you know, setting up a paragraph and then linking your paragraphs to a cohesive thought. Well, all of that exists, but how are we helping not only share that rubric with the the students we teach, but then how are we helping them to come up with, here's how I'm going to hold myself accountable to the work that I'm putting on this page. Any reaction to that? The thought that comes to mind, I have to say very personally, is for my daughter, who's a junior now, and thinking about college. And the school she goes to does a nice job. Uh, they obviously get report cards like most kids, but there's actually a lot of description in the report cards, a lot of text and prose about the student. But I was also thinking about in the context of applying to college, which is coming up for us now. And so much of the criteria of evaluation being dominated by things like U.S. news rankings. Say, well, if that's the criteria of evaluation, then I got to go into Stanford or Harvard or whatever. (laughs) But what if the criteria of evaluation was, who am I? What do I value? What if I'm an artist? What if I want a small liberal arts? What if I want to be in a big city or a small city? It's just a very personal example of this come to life. And how, in some ways, corrupting the wrong framework can be to the decision-making and how freeing it can be is what you're describing to reset on that. Totally. I'm, I'm going to send you something I read on this topic. Um, uh, Seth, Seth, it's from Seth's blog, Seth Godin. Oh, yeah. And 
he he it's called do you read this on choosing a college i'm going to send no, it haven't come across that and, and he and he and he goes you know one way to make this complex decision simpler is we begin by vividly describing the flavors factors and preferences that go into choice and then pruning from there and i'll 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 send this to you i think you'll get a big kick out of it and I was like, wow, I saved this because I want my son is in the midst of applying to high school. And 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 so I was thinking, this is what I want to read to him. And essentially where we conclude, where he concludes is, are the people this place attracts the sort of people I want to spend time with and become more like? And does this place have a system where one pushes and cajoles and processes people like me to become more like the person I'd like to be. Right. Wow. And so it's like, forget all the other criteria. He's sort of establishing that the rubric should be, you know, does it attract people like me or people I want to become more like? And then number two, does it actually progress me towards the person I'd like to be? Amazing, simple, clear, and not only will I read it for my daughter, but I will read it for IBM. What <laughs> does this mean for AI for business? I feel like you have answered my original question in at least started to untangle it with that post. Great. Well, we always get there. So awesome, awesome, awesome to see you. Happy Valentine's Day. And we'll connect soon. Be well.